Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. And here, since we're doing the show from home, we'll kind of forego some of the fanfare and the music and everything else and just get ready to say hello to you and kind of dive into this here today. And I think that, you know, given the fact that it's a holiday for many of you, you're off from work, and given the fact that some of you maybe still kind of hold up at home out of the snow, that's kind of why we're at home here today. We were expecting some bad weather. It ended up not really being all that bad as I'm looking out the window to see it. But just out of an abundance of caution, we're at home today. So there's really no reason not to just kind of be casual and have a really good time. And over the course of our time together, I'll look forward to hearing from you either in our video comment sections or if you want to reach out to me on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or whatever else. And just let's just reflect back on what was a very special day on Saturday. And I think it'll probably take us a few days to really look at all the cool things that happened, whether it be for those of you who were on the parade route or for those of you who were you know, in the Tate parking lot where the dog walk took place or those of you who were lucky enough to be among the 90 plus thousand folks inside the stadium to see all the things that we saw, the 1980 team helping raise the flag there. At the end of the day, the you know Commissioner Greg Sankey was on hand, kind of counting SEC pride as he spoke on behalf of the Georgia Bulldogs. There's so many great moments that that we can look back on and reflect from that from that day. And I'll certainly have my list. And over the course of this day, I hope to be able to share a lot of that with you. But I'm also very curious to hear the things that you saw that I might not have have, have been able to see. So we'll kind of do our part to kind of compile this list of, hey, did you see this? Hey, did you see that? How much fun was this? How much fun was that? We'll try to do our part to compile that for you over the course of the next couple of days. But for me, I don't know if y'all feel this way quite or not, but for me, the thing that probably stuck out for me more so than anything else was one moment in particular from Kirby Smart. And I kind of want to build to it by saying this, is that by the time we got into Sanford Stadium on Saturday, and by the time that we kind of you know, got the program off and running, you know, Kirby kind of fell back into the pattern of being Kirby Smart. And I say that in a complimentary sense. It's sort of hard to get Kirby to break character when it comes to his public persona. Privately behind the scenes, a lot of our recruit families have told us that Kirby's really a fun-loving guy. And sometimes they'll share some of those photos and videos of Kirby just kind of laughing it up and and really the life of the party for some of these recruiting events where he's hosting families. And obviously those moments in which he's, you know, with his coaching colleagues sometimes, you know, we've seen him on video before, for instance, with uh with Will Muschamp. They're kind of joking, having a good time or some of the stuff that he shared with the, the text message exchanges they do back and forth with guys like Lane Kiff and whatever else. Kirby doesn't mind, you know, being the source of jokes. He's got plenty of jokes of his own. That Kirby, if you can ever get him in kind of a private situation, which most of us don't get a chance to do, but if you ever get him in that private situation, Kirby's really kind of a, a fun-loving guy, kind of a, you know, kind of the life of the party type guy. But when he's speaking on behalf of Georgia football as the face of the Georgia program, you know, there's always that tendency to kind of pivot back to being the leader of the organization. And the message is always coded. It's always a message being spoken through the media, but meant for his current players or meant for future recruits or meant to sort of establish some sort of narrative that's important to him. And so when um, when Kirby got up to the podium to speak on Saturday, it's kind of funny, even though there was all this celebratory mood in the air and all of this kind of uh, energy that was unmistakable around the event, Kirby there at the podium kind of pivoted back to, to being Kirby smart again as the kind of guy who 
had to make it be about football and kind of had to make it be about, hey, you know, what worked this year? <laughs> Excuse me for the sneeze. That's not Omicron, by the way. What worked this year and what's what's going to work, you know, for this program moving forward, the new standard that's being set. And as a way of kind of building up to a moment that I thought was really special, let me give you a, a little taste reminder of this. This is the audio from Smart kind of laying the foundation for how it was that Georgia came to be to even be able to celebrate on that field on this day. This was Kirby Smart during the ceremony. Take a listen to this. Being here today on Dooley Field brings back a lot of special memories uh, for me. But as our players sit to my left and right, all these guys over here and all these guys over here, what you 95,000, 100,000 people don't get to see is these guys in here at 6 a.m. about a year ago this time running on this field sweating uh, blood, tears. Before we came out today, the first thing a lot of these guys were thinking about is how much work they did in this stadium in the morning. And I want to give these guys a round of applause for all they've done for this university. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! So, first of all, what Smart says there is 100% right. That there is a lot of what happens with the football team that's just kind of invisible. Those early morning workouts, those in-stadium practices, those, you know, as, as they used to call them, Bloody Tuesday, where you're out there being as physical as you can be to get ready for the upcoming game. There's a lot of the story of a, of a team and a season that just simply doesn't get told because it's invisible to the people who would tell the stories, the media, the fans, things like that. But behind the scenes, the Georgia coaches, the Georgia players know all that full well, that the celebration they had a chance to enjoy was only made possible by the foundation they laid by the hard work they did listen we would hear stories from time to time you know things would leak out of oh man these practices are so hard oh this is such a grind Kirby's working these guys too hard or you know you just sort of hear you know that kind of stuff sort of leak out from time to time and yet what you actually find out is is that what they endured the beginning of the calendar year what they endured at the beginning of the practice season what they endured during those times actually set them up for the ultimate success the success of being able to bring a national championship back to Georgia. So the, the actual text of what Smart says there and so many of the other things that he said during his speech on Saturday, 100% true. But as I said before, as I'm watching this from inside Stanford Stadium on Saturday, I'm like, wow, this is actually kind of Kirby being Kirby again. And it really was a far different thing than what we'd seen from Kirby as they were coming through, you know, coming to the stadium. So many of you got your own video of this as he was on the vehicle kind of rolling down Lumpkin. I saw this up close and personal firsthand right there in the uh, tape parking lot when the dog walk was taking place, that Kirby had let his hair down, figuratively speaking, in a way that uh, was unlike anything I'd ever seen from him. And it was such a, such a worthy celebration from him for what Georgia had accomplished the national championship. If you want to ask me what the most unforgettable moment of, uh, of the day was, it was Kirby calling the dogs where he's doing the go dog sick them and like i mean he's just like getting into it the whole thing i mean he looked like any fan would look really kind of getting into it and doing that and i saw him do that and i didn't quite realize that he had been doing that all up and down the parade route that if you go back and watch a lot of the videos and i know with the dog nation twitter account we kind of shared a lot of these watch a lot of these videos and things like that you kind of see kirby doing that over and over again and I thought that I was the one that got a chance to see that, but then come to find out a lot of you kind of got a chance to, to see that there too. He just kept doing the, he just kept calling the dogs 
over and over again. And, and for me, that sort of ends up being the most unforgettable moment of the day of watching how Kirby decided to allow, you know, folks into kind of his own celebration here. And he kind of joined that celebration for them with them for that one brief moment. He uh, was kind of willing to be an alumnus of the program. He was willing to be a fan of the program. He was for a couple of seconds willing to kind of stop being the caretaker of the program, the leader of the organization and kind of be a fan of all this and kind of get into it the same way every fan would. I have to tell you, I really enjoyed that. And as I was listening to Kirby Smart, you know, give his speech, not realizing that so many of you kind of already seen him call the dogs. There was a part of me that's like, wow, I wish the folks who are in the stadium right now could have seen the version of Kirby that we got a chance to, to see as he was coming into the stadium because not everybody probably got to. And then there was this. So after the entire ceremony was over, all three of the national championship trophies were presented. Uh, the 1980 team, this was actually such a great moment, you know, kind of uh, raising up the flagpole there at the end, that 2021 national championship trophy. Uh, I should say the national championship flag that's going to fly on the east end zone side of Sanford City for here and forevermore. When it's all said and done, DJ Shockley, who, by the way, did such a great job of emceeing the event on Saturday. That's a big spot for DJ. Great to have him back a part of the UGA family after being over the SEC network for a few years. And I thought he did such a great job in that role, in that spot on Saturday. But the point is, all of the pomp and circumstance has been concluded. Everything has, uh, has kind of finished up here. And as DJ is getting ready to sign off and say goodbye, Kirby Smart, I don't know if this was planned or if this was smart, just kind of improvising there on the spot on the stage, kind of walked back up on the stage and in front of 100,000 folks gave them what he had been giving folks along the way during the parade and during the dog walk and everything else. So I said before, on a day filled with unforgettable memories and unforgettable moments, Kirby Smart being as relaxed and having as much fun as he uh, did, uh, an example of that. Let me let you hear the way that Smart concluded the event on Saturday. This was priceless, I thought. Here's Kirby one more time. Dog Nation, it's been great to be here today. Thank you for celebrating. Between the hedges, we'll see everybody in April for the annual G-Day Spring football game. One last time. Let's hit it for them. Go! So listen, for me, that was just the best of, you know, because Kirby is going to be Kirby and Kirby's going to like, he's going to pivot towards recruiting. He's going to pivot towards hard work. He's going to, you know, one point in time, he's like challenging the players who are there. Hey, y'all got to come back and work even harder next year. Like Kirby's not going to stop being a coach, but for at least a couple of minutes, he took a break from being coach to be a fan. And we've said, we've told you before in some of our shows last week is that, you know, Kirby really does have that true appreciation for what it means to bring that national championship back to Georgia. He understands that from the, from the historic perspective, from the emotional perspective, from all of that. And so on a day filled with memories, him taking the chance to call the dogs, he did it a lot on the parade route. He did it during the dog walk. He did it for everybody to see right there in the stadium. That for me was the most unforgettable of all. And for obviously for many of you, you've got your own answer to that question over the course of the day here on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in our comment section at dognation.com. I look forward to hearing from you about what stood out from a very special day between the hedges at Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We are at home today, but it's still great to be with all of you, whether it be all the video platforms, 
dognation.com, Dog Nation app for our first and 15, starting at 9.45, 10 a.m. for Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, radio, of course, at noon. Typically speaking, on Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, we're taking a little bit of a break uh, for the holiday there for uh, them today, but we'll be back on the radio again tomorrow on 960 Ref podcast platforms, the Apple Player, the uh, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com, all kinds of stuff. Uh, really happy to have you with us. And by the way, I know some of you have had a little bit of an issue with the podcast on the browser, DogNation.com. I think I have a little bit of a workaround for that for right now. We're still kind of, you know, sort of dealing with that particular issue for those of you that typically listen to the podcast at dognation.com, but stick with me for the end of the show. I want to talk to you more about what we might be able to do in a relationship to that. So uh, so I'll do more of that a little bit later on uh, here today. By the way, big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of George making all possible. You know, I'm sitting here at home. It's freezing cold outside. I get the fire in the fireplace, cozy and warm sweatshirts and uh, uh, scarves and everything else. And of course, keeping you nice and warm uh, is what Pella Window and Door of George is all about because they can provide you those energy efficient windows and doors. That means the energy inside your house, you keep it where you're supposed to be. It also looks great on the outside, but it feels good on the inside. That really matters. And did you know this? According to a 2020 survey of leading window brands among homeowners, Pella is actually the most preferred window brand of homeowners in Atlanta. You probably already knew that, but it's just another validation of just how great Pella Window and Door of Georgia is, can be for all of you. Also great savings right now as well. Through March 3rd, you can get 10% off your entire project or no payments, no interest for 12 months. A couple of easy ways for you to get in touch. How about PellaofGA.com slash DogNation? That's the website. PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's the website. Or you can give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. Here's what we're going to do here today. We're going to get a little bit of a around the doghouse coming up in a minute. We'll talk about some of the recruiting impact from the big event on Saturday. We will do that then. But, Michael, if you don't mind, let's go out of order here just a little bit and get ready to say hello to our good friend, John Stinchcomb, Classic City Logger, Insider Update. So much fun to be able to do that with John. Also, our first chance to talk to John since Georgia uh, won the national championship. So we've got a lot of business to take care of here. And I know John was like the rest of us enjoying what he had a chance to see on Saturday. So, John, what do you say we work backwards here for a moment? Uh, when you look back on the weekend, first of all, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us. But when you look back on the weekend, obviously you spent a lot of time in and around Athens, Sanford Stadium. You know what that place has been like on a game day for a long time. When you see the 100-plus, maybe even 200,000 folks who were up and down Lumpkin, around the Tate parking lot, then inside the stadium, uh, it was certainly a celebration befitting of a national champion, was it not? Oh, it, it was a thing of beauty. And just to see that many dog fans celebrate and, and participate in the festivities with the team, with the, you know, the entire town of Athens was flooded with Georgia fans that uh, were so appreciative. I mean, you're talking about lifelong fans that have been hoping for this moment, whether they're kids or adults, they, you know, it, it's been a culmination of such great anticipation for so many years. I think when Kirby first came to town and he's, uh, he presented new energy and new life and really rallied folks to like this G-Day game and made that a thing again, and, and you have that many fans, I think it just is a testament to um, the relationship and the investment that Dog Nation has with this team. And, and to finally have that national trophy and – uh, to be able to celebrate that together 
in Sanford Stadium, I think there there wasn't a more appropriate occasion uh, for Dog Nation to come together and, and uh, cheer uh, on this team, this 2021-2022 team one more time. I shared a personal memory that for me, seeing Kirby call the dogs the way that he did was kind of the thing that probably stood out to me more than anything else, just because I think Kirby has a really keen understanding of like power dynamics. I think he understands that his kind of authority kind of comes from his professionalism a little bit. And so it's very hard to get Kirby to stop being Kirby and stop being the leader of a big organization, you know, letting his hair down that way in kind of a public setting. is just not something that he necessarily always enjoys doing, at least I don't think. But certainly on Saturday, he was good enough to let folks kind of join that celebration with him. And the parade, he's doing it in the dog walk area. I mean, he's like really getting into it. And then on the podium there as well, when it was all said and done, he kind of shared that moment. I thought that was kind of a great part of the day. Was there anything for you that kind of stood out as like, hey, when I look back on that first national championship one during the smart era, this is the moment of the celebration that I will remember. Was there anything for you that stood out that way? Well, just the beloved Jordan Davis. I mean, he gets in front of a microphone and he's such a one. He's so dominant on the football field. But you get to see the more you get to see his personality, the more you just love the guy. I mean, Mm -hmm. talking about uh, being legendary and you think, man, you certainly have embodied that. So, um, you know, for us to to see the players helmets off and get to know them a little better and, and realize that, you know, you're talking about young men, late teens, early 20s. Um, and to see their personalities uh, away from having a helmet strapped to their head, uh, it's always a good thing for me. And listen, you know, there's always going to be an insatiable appetite for Georgia football coverage. That's always going to be the, uh, you know, the case. We try to serve the audience that wants that. And when you shine a big spotlight on a guy like Jordan Davis, by the way, it better be a big spotlight to get all of him in there. But when you, when, when you shine a big spotlight on Davis, you really feel like, I, I can say this on, on my own behalf here, you really feel like you're doing a good thing because honestly, guys like that should be famous. Like when you are um, playing the game at the level that Jordan does, I mean, I thought it was very interesting when Jordan got up there and the thing people are going to remember is when he kind of, you know, lifted up his Georgia shirt to unveil the Braves jersey. It was such a cool moment. And for someone like me, who's been a big Braves fan my entire life, a great crossover opportunity. But um, at the very beginning, if you go back and, and the entire ceremony is online at Dog Nation on, on the Dog Nation YouTube page. If you go back and rewatch at the very beginning of the thing, when, you know, DJ asked Jordan a question, like Jordan's first answer is basically pivoting back to all his teammates. Like there's nothing more, you know, befitting of Davis than that. It's like, hey, I'm going to speak on behalf of the entire defense. And yeah, I'm going to talk about the rest of the defense. That's just kind of what Jordan Davis has done with the entirety of his Georgia career. So as I'm watching all of this unfold, John, you know, there's a part of me, it's like, like you want to give a guy like that as much attention as you can, because not only is it celebrating a great team, but it's also kind of reinforcing, I think, what you want college football to be more about. Guys like that who are selfless, guys like that who do stick around, guys like that who see the value in coming back to a place like Georgia, being a part of a team, and the, and, and the, and the team success that can be the byproduct of all of that. It's one of those things of, I want the Jordan Davis story to be told as long and loud as possible because I want college football to continue to be more like what Jordan Davis was for this team this year. Yes, and, and what's sad is the direction of mercenary football, right, that college football is headed to where individuals are just going to uh, see opportunities to seize the mighty dollar from gaining uh, recognition for their play. It's less about team and more about me, right? So the old adage of the big team, little me shirts, 
you can almost throw that out the window. But yet you look at this team and you listen to what they say week in and week out, even after the loss in the SEC championship and they're rallying around each other and they're lifting each other up and they're giving credit everywhere but themselves. I think that is what fans are drawn to, that team uh, first mentality. Uh, it's great from a fan's perspective, and I think it breeds success. I think you look at uh, this team, and one of the reasons why they were so successful is the selfless amount of play from some of your star guys. It wasn't always, uh, I'm trying to go make the play. It's, I've got a responsibility. I've got a job to do that fits a bigger picture. And that sacrifice has led to the team success, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, if you've got selfish guys over there, ones that are trying to make the big play every time and not know what their role is, it creates holes. And we didn't see that this entire season. And and that selflessness, yeah. I think, is endearing. I think, um, you know, there's finally articles written about the skull sessions, if you mm-hmm. will, you know, Dr. Brannon and his work with the team, which I think yeah, every time you listen to these guys, it's really been drilled into them. They've learned each other's stories. They care for one another. And when you have that selfless sacrifice, I think it breeds success. And I, I think we're beneficiaries of that, uh, having watched this team and the way they played the game this year. John, the last time you and I talked was actually just before the game. You were in Indianapolis last Monday, and we were going into that game talking about what needed to happen. And then we parted ways. You went to the game, and I did there as well. And I'm curious, as someone who sat in the stands and watched the game there that night, take us through the roller coaster of emotions you went on from, obviously, we both believe George had a great chance to win the game. The first half probably starts on a little bit of a shaky footing, and uh, defense plays great. You know, you have the the fumble moment there where you think, oh gosh, this is going to be another one of these horrible chapters in Georgia, Alabama lore. And then the fourth quarter is one truly for the memory, you know, banks and the record books and everything else. Take us through the ride that you went on as you watch your alma mater bring on a national championship. Well, it started off a little shaky, right? I don't think any Georgia fan was feeling super confident that first half with the number of negative yardage plays, the lost yardage plays, the penalties, and the first time Stetson runs the ball, he's looking good until he fumbles it, luckily recovers it. But certainly wasn't that consistent, calm, steady presence, especially from the offense in that first half. And then you go in when we're down three thinking, man, I'm kind of glad we're in that situation. It could have been a lot worse and you're reliant on that defense, which, you know, the, the, there were spots and give Alabama its credit because, you know, that, that's a high-power playmaking offense at times, as we know from the last time we faced them. But uh, I think the injury to Jamison uh, mentally factored into that game as much as just the loss of one of the best players on the field. And that, mm-hmm. that's certainly a factor. But, um, you know, it, refs could have been the storyline. I think you look at the, the non-roughing, the punt return, uh, on Georgia's end, and then the very next yeah. time we punt, we r- rough the receiver, or, you know, that kind of thing. Then the fumble, was it a fumble? Did he recover? Did he step out of bounds? Was it a pass? Certainly, you know, at best, a judgment call that didn't go our way. So um, there was some adversity there. And to still pull away, uh, you know, being in the stands with Keely Ringo jumping up, yeah. making that interception and just 
experiencing the revelry of like, this is finally going to happen. This yeah. Georgia is going to win this thing. We've slayed the mighty giant. The dragon has fallen. And um, we're, we're, you know, looking around, seeing the rest of the Georgia fans with tears streaming down their face uh, because that final crest, that final summit has finally been reached and we've planted that Georgia flag uh, and there's a new sheriff in town was total jubilation in the end. So give me a little bit of a thought about this because you played in some historic games. You're part of Hobnail Boot in 2001, the 2002 Auburn game. And, and in fact, you actually played a big role in that Auburn game, as we've told the story before. And Terrence Edwards told the story. You've told the story on here about the speech that you gave at halftime that kind of spurred the comeback of that. And what I'm getting to is, is that a lot of UX players, like, you know, when you're a part of something like that, you sort of get the story down you, and now you kind of know how to tell the story because people kind of want to hear the story. And, you know, right. Veron Haynes is kind of much the same way. We've been, you know, uh, Veron's been good enough to join us a few times. And not only is it a great story, but after a while he sort of tells it well because he's well-practiced at telling it. I know for some of your own, some of your own career moments, you're much the same way. With Saints fans, it'll be that way regarding the Super Bowl there too. But what's Keely Ringo's life about to be like? Or, you know, even like oh. I got like A.D. Mitchell or, you know, Stetson Bennett guys like that. But Ringo in particular, because it is the final moment of the game. What's Keely Ringo's next 40 years going to look like uh, as he, you know, goes through life? Now, he may do a million things, and he has a chance from a football perspective to do a lot. But uh, for a lot of Georgia fans, it'd be very hard for anything to ever eclipse the national championship interception win ceiling moment there. What's his next 40 years going to be like, John? Of, of rehearsing that very play over yeah. and over again of him, you know, telling you the coverage that they're in and, and what they've scouted from the gingerbread man and, and his ability to extend plays. And then I'm sure he was hearing the sidelines telling him to go down. He had some people you know, like, Ooh, let's not, let's not risk anything. And then the way he was weaving through what he's seeing. I mean, for him to retell that story, it's, it's something that Georgia fans will always want to hear. You know, the yeah. hobnail boot was a big play in a big game against Tennessee. We didn't win a national championship, but we still love hearing that story. Right. So to hear that one play, I don't think it will ever grow old. For Georgia fans, that's the quintessential play. That was the one defining moment, if you were to have one, that, that says – this capped off the year and we win a national championship. It's Keely Ringo yeah. jumping up, intercepting it. You know, even Ben Watson posted on his Instagram that he hasn't jumped as high. He's in the background with his fancy red shoes. You know, yeah. everybody, that's the play. And so Keely will never have to buy a drink anytime he wants to tell that story. I'm sure they'll take care of him. Same thing for the rest of these guys. I, I was right. texting with Aaron Murray about – Stetson Bennett's probably never going to have to pay for another foursome at a, at a golf course in the state of Georgia again, That's right. because this is such a special moment. And, and this team is special to the state of Georgia because of the personalities that you have on them and the way they won this game. I ran into Frank Ross for a minute on Saturday and talked to him. And that's a guy, obviously captain of the 1980 team practiced at telling those stories. He's certainly done that for years. And you could just see the genuine enthusiasm he had in his voice for the fact that now it's not just the 1980 team that gets to tell those stories. And listen, Kirby said this on Saturday. We'll always be, you know, as those of us who kind of make up Dog Nation here, we'll always be appreciative of what that team did. And that team's legacy is no less diminished because there's another team that's joined them. If anything, I think that uh, those guys felt thrilled about the fact they now have somebody in that club. And you could see them kind of helping raise that flag there at the end. But 
kind of give you an example of kind of what some of this kind of stuff can look like. You know, Frank Ross has been telling the stories of the 1980 team ever since 1980. And one of these days, you know, Keely Ringo is going to be that sort of distinguished veteran presence kind of walking around, kind of doing the same kind of thing. And uh, it's kind of cool to, to watch time come full circle there through all of that. Yeah. And he'll have an unbelievable platform because people will want him yeah. to come speak to their group, whether it's, you know, touchdown club or men's group or church or wherever. Uh, and it's, you know, for him, it's an opportunity, right? You, you get a platform because of a play and really phenomenal play all season long for a first year mm-hmm. uh, starting role in a, in a marquee highlight spot as a defensive back across from a, a more seasoned vet and Kendrick on the other side. So uh, he's going to be given a platform and, and to have a clear message that follows I think it's going to be important for him. And I, I'm grateful that we have people at the University of Georgia to pour into our guys to help them craft that. You know, what, what story do you want to tell? What message do you want to tag along mm-hmm. with an awesome play? I mean, that was a phenomenal play that's given you an opportunity or will give you more opportunities to speak to groups. And what, how do you want to use it? What, yeah. what do you want to share? What do you want to uh, share some light uh, cause-wise or story-wise that can impact people. And uh, it's a unique opportunity that few of us get. I want to finish on a slightly different topic in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind folks, this is our Classic City Logger Insider Update with John Stinchcomb. And by the way, huge thanks to all of you who came out to our event at Creature Comforts there on Saturday. It was so much fun to kind of toast with UGA fans, the uh, big moment there, and just a great way to put a, a punctuation mark on what's been a phenomenal season for UGA and really a special year for those of us around Dog Nation here. So, so many of you came by, appreciated that. Frankly, I'm very thankful to the folks at Creature Comforts Brewing Company kind of made that space available for us to be able to do that. Obviously, they had a big crowd on Saturday, a lot of folks uh, trying to get in there, and so they made room for Dog Nation, and I certainly appreciate that there too. They are great partners, and they are also the makers of just good cold beer, and it doesn't get any better than that. You're celebrating a national championship, especially our friends at Classic City Lager. You know, it's a lager-style beer, lighter in color, but no sacrifice in flavor. Delicious. You better believe after we said goodbye to the folks at Creature Comforts on Saturday, I got a big uh, case of that to bring back home, and we'll be enjoying that for uh, some time to come here. So big thanks to all the folks there at Creature Comforts Brewing Company, Classic City Lager. It is just good cold beer. Enjoy the craft-style lager. Certainly famous from the folks at Creature Comforts Brewing Company. It's a true taste of Athens, but... You don't have to be in Athens to enjoy it. You can enjoy some wherever you're doing your shopping. You can find Classic City Lager from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. So, John, give me this kind of thought here before we say goodbye to you here today. And you're part of the athletic board. You, you kind of understand the workings, inner workings of a place like UGA. Kirby kind of addressed this. We heard from Josh Brooks a little bit on Saturday. Uh, President Moorhead had a chance to speak there too. But from an infrastructure standpoint, what do you think it takes to put a national championship team like this together? Because Certainly, it seems like all those forces have been well marshaled over the course of the last few years. You can just look at the way in which, you know, new buildings keep being built. The, the West End Zone's beautiful. The football facility kind of next to uh, Buttsmere Heritage Hall is, uh, you know, phenomenal. And just the way in which, like, you know, the McGill Society's kind of grown up and, and some of the things related to that. From an infrastructure standpoint, as someone who kind of has a little bit more of an understanding of the kind of the, 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 the business side of what's happening there at Georgia, how, how crucial was that to the success that Georgia got a chance to, to appreciate and enjoy on Monday? Well, I think it takes a village, and it also takes a uh, commander-in-chief that you, you trust in and believe. And you know, the transition from Greg McGarity to Josh Brooks, I think, um, 
Greg had really laid a, a solid foundation and, and Josh has come in and done a great job of uh, only building on the foundation that Greg had laid. And equally as important is Coach Smart's ability to have his finger on so many different aspects that lead to a team having the opportunity to find success in a national championship. I think Coach Smart in particular does an unreal job of juggling as many balls as he does and paying attention to the smallest of details in the number of different arenas that lead to this moment. I mean, obviously you have to have the right players, you have to have talent, but to bring in coaches, to have the facilities, uh, to have that big picture plan, you got to have incredible leadership. And with that comes facilities and uh, just the care for players, understanding that they do more than just play football. If you're talking about 19, 20, 21-year-old kids, there's a lot going on in their life. And so having the staff around them to make sure that these student athletes um, are taking care of business away from just the football field, because you're talking about 15 opportunities to play the game, and there's 365 days in the year there's a lot that goes into making sure that their mental health is clear, that they're mm -hmm. taking care of their schoolwork because they're still student athletes, uh, making sure, I mean, they all have families and they come from different backgrounds. So to keep guys at a, at a, being able to play at a high level, uh, it takes so many people that pour into them and uh, physical health, mental health, spiritual health, the whole mm -hmm. picture um, that's just for the team. And you expand out, you're talking about coaches and the organization. So uh, a number of players and, and, and not just on the football fields, but players of the game uh, of, of athletics that create the opportunities for these uh, for these teams to succeed. John, I think that's really true and very well said. Congratulations on seeing your alma mater hoist a national championship trophy. I know it's been enjoyable for you. It's certainly been enjoyable for all of us and your insight into all of this has made it uh, that much more enjoyable there as well. So we will look forward to speaking to you again very soon. And I guess, John, the next time we speak, we're going to have to get back to work here and get to the business of trying to figure out from a coaching standpoint, a player standpoint, who's going to be on this team next year. Still yeah. probably kind of got that national championship hangover for a little bit here today, but uh, there is some serious work to be done in terms of who's going, who's staying. And uh, obviously there'll be plenty of time to talk about all of that. Well, there is. And anytime you have team success, individual accolades and opportunities are going to present themselves. And that's the new world uh, that we've been coveting for quite some time mm -hmm. that we now have to understand the landscape of. And you win a national championship and there is time for celebration. And there's also you can't forget that uh, this 2022 season has already begun and right. for a number of programs. They had a, a jump start on focusing on what it's going to take to win this, this next title. But uh, that's a conversation for another day, B.A. John, great stuff. Uh, thank you so much, and we'll look forward to speaking to you soon. Always great to be a dog, and especially these days, B.A. Go dog. No doubt about that. Good stuff from uh, John Stinchcomb there. Appreciate his time. And with that said, we're going to transition now into our Around the Dog House, which is assisted today by our friends at AAA. And the other big thing to kind of come out of what happens on Saturday is the impact it's going to have on recruiting. And listen, so many of these Georgia fans are just so like well-trained and kind of like zeroed in on the exact same stuff that the program itself is Kirby smart included, because like that's one of the main things I was getting, you know, messages about, or just, you know, people that I was running into 
uh, there in the building. They're like, boy, can you, can you, I can't wait to see what the impact this has on recruiting. Can't wait to, to see all that. And listen, I'm right there with you on that. It's, it's just kind of a cool thing. And I'll show you a couple of examples here on the screen here for a moment as we're around the doghouse assisted by AAA here today. First of all, Victor Burley, who got a chance to see play a couple of times this past year, a part of that terrific Warner Robins program. Uh, Burley is a, he is a load to deal with on, you know, that kind of defensive line type situation uh, for that Warner Robins program is going to be as coveted a name as there is in this class of 2023. He was on hand for the event on Saturday. I'll show you his pictures that he shared on Twitter around that. Some of you also saw an Instagram video that Burley shared where he's like riding the bus and he's, he's got the camera out and he's kind of, you know, uh, videoing this as he rolls down. And he was, I mean, this was exactly what you want it to be. Like Burley's like, you know, rolling down with the rest of the recruits. Like, I can't believe how many people there are here. I'm so glad I came here. This is unbelievable. He's just kind of soaking the whole thing in. So if you want a commercial opportunity, an advertising opportunity that works out exactly the way that you think it should, Certainly the example of that is one when it comes to uh, Victor Burley, who seemed to be very well impressed with what he saw from George and the way that Georgia fans came out to celebrate that national championship on Saturday. It was actually really cool to, to observe Burley's reaction to all of that. Uh, there was also Justice Haynes. We'll show this to you. I think that Jeff Sintel is going to have a piece coming up on Justice here uh, in the ne next day or so. But Haynes, of course, is part of that uh, legacy. We talked about Veron Haynes. A moment ago, and Veron Haynes on Twitter shared some photos of of Justice enjoying the event and a part of that. And it's kind of one of those things that kind of brings Georgia football all kind of back together, kind of you know closes the loop here a bit. When a guy like Veron Haynes is a part of UGA history, comes back to celebrate this chapter of Georgia history, and potentially has a name from the next chapter of Georgia football history on hand there as well. His son Veron, who's been a great uh, running back there for Blessed Trinity, that's just a really great thing to be able to see. And I think what intuitively a lot of us kind of understand here is that this is one of those final barriers to recruiting success that's been completely demolished here now. I think we know that Georgia has put together a recruiting behemoth, you know, number three class 2017, number one in 2018, you know, highly ranked classes 19, 20, 21, all the way through uh, working on that class again here for the 2022 cycle there as well. And with as much success as Georgia has enjoyed, uh, I think there were a couple of negative recruiting tactics against Georgia that probably worked. We know for a fact that Alabama has used that. We hear enough stories to, to validate that, that Alabama has told recruits of, hey, you know, come here, meaning Tuscaloosa, if you want to win a national championship. We've got all these trophies. Look at our success. These trophies, these rings, that speaks for itself. That's all you kind of need to know there on that. We know that's kind of the way in which Alabama's going to talk this stuff up before and other programs probably have there as well. Clemson's probably done that. You know, other programs kind of have that Georgia's had great recruiting success. But for some recruits, the validation of the national championship was maybe the thing they were attracted to, maybe the thing they were drawn to. And one of those things that maybe caused them to reconsider of, well, should I really go to Georgia? Because it's been a long time since Georgia has won a national championship. But as all of you are now very fully aware, that negative recruiting doesn't work anymore. Because now in the present tense, it's Georgia who's the national champion. And everybody else has at least a drought of one year, if not more than that. But for the present tense, the present world, it's Georgia who's on top of the college football world. It's Georgia who is the national champion. And guys like Burley and guys like Haynes and other 2023 prospects like LT Overton or just anybody else you want to think about, those guys now know that, yeah, Georgia is the place 
that you can go to win a national championship. And it's the kind of place they want to go and keep adding to this level of success, at least potentially they want to go and do that because they see the way in which Georgia fans celebrate their own after championship season. I just think intuitively there's a much greater understanding about that. The other, by the way, barrier you know, or, or negative recruiting aspect that's probably been shot down here around Georgia a little bit lately is this notion too of with some position groups and some things like that, maybe a little bit of an NFL uh, draft drought where, hey, you know, Kirby Smart kind of slowly building up his program. You started seeing more of that draft success. And, um, and, and now with the culmination of this year's NFL draft, when it's going to take place this upcoming spring, all of a sudden now that's going to kind of go away as any kind of negative recruiting fodder for programs there as well, because George is going to have, you know, loads of guys taking the first round, a whole bunch of guys taking the top three rounds. And you know, some of these guys are guys you're obviously sad to see leave as a fan. You can't help but feel that way. But when you watch the draft success that George is about to enjoy, we've said now a million times the draft success and team success in terms of winning national championships, those, those two goals, the individual goal for the player, the collective goal for the team, they are very well aligned. The more NFL type talent you produce, the more likely you are to win at the championship level. Just the recent history of college football just demonstrates that to overwhelmingly be true. And so that's about to be the case there as well. So when you watch the way in which a lot of these big time 2023 recruits are watching the way that George is in the spotlight right now, you were just reminded that a program that's already been a recruiting juggernaut now has almost no negative recruiting angles that can be taken against it. And I think a lot of you rightly believe that the door may be truly open to even more recruiting success going forward. And the notion of Georgia being a big time program, a big player on the national stage, that that era may actually just be getting started. It's fun to think about there. We'll make that around the doghouse, assisted today by our friends at AAA. And of course, uh, AAA, the name to know when you're on the road, traveling a lot this time of year and you know going back and forth different places. I, I like taking the roadside assistance that AAA is known for with me everywhere I go because if something breaks down, if things don't go well, the chances are BA is not going to know what to do there on the side of the road. But uh, it's also kind of nice to know that one phone call away, I can reach out to AAA and they can be there and do it for you. However, that's not the only thing I want you to think about when it comes to AAA. I also want you to think about them as a great resource for your auto insurance needs there as well. In fact, if you'll check out this website, it's AAA.com slash auto insurance. That's AAA.com slash auto insurance. You can find out about all the options that are available to you. And here's the one thing that you'll know that when you switch and save, you're going to put hundreds of dollars back in your pocket for doing so. And listen, we're in a time now where so many things are so much more expensive than they've ever been before. That's kind of a different topic for a different show, but you know that's true because you felt it yourself when you go to pay for things, that things are just getting more expensive. So anything you can do to put more money back in your pocket, you really owe it to yourself to do that, including making sure you're making the best possible auto insurance decision. That's what AAA can be for you, AAA.com slash auto insurance on that. Or if you'd rather give them a call, let me give you this number as well. It's 866-380-1637. That's 866-380-1637. Our friends at AAA delivering around the doghouse to you here today. All right, we've got a whole bunch of uh, golden shoes to give you here in just a little bit. We'll do that before we wrap up on today's program. But for now, I kind of want to transition into kind of, you know, normally we do our SEC through, which is, you know, kind of cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Today, we're going to kind of mostly do that related to some Georgia news. Now, it also kind of, I guess, happens that most of this kind of coincides with other SEC programs. This is kind of a combination of SEC through and a little bit of a Georgia news roundup there as well. And of course, it's brought to you by our friends at Royal Caribbean. Uh, great, great uh, fun things happening for uh, 
us here in the upcoming year. And Royal Caribbean is going to be a big part of all of that. And so many of you want to be on one of those Royal Caribbean cruise ships there yourself, taking advantage of all the fun entertainment options that are available, whether it be Perfect Day, Coco Cay, that private island in the Bahamas that's exclusively available to those on a Royal Caribbean cruise, or the things you get a chance to do while you're on the uh, Royal Caribbean uh, 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 cruise ships themselves. They kind of redefine the entertainment uh, that takes place on these ships, uh, whether it be the shows, the bars, you know, Boleros Lounge, and uh, all the cool things they have. A lot of the ships have the Playmakers Sports Bar and Arcade, where you kind of get a chance to get in there and kind of enjoy things so many great ways to have a great time on a royal caribbean cruise ship your chance to experience that coming up in 2022 so check out our friends the cruise and vacation authority their information will be on the screen in front of you you can give them a call you can hit them up online and just take advantage of all of that because when you book a royal caribbean cruise the thing you want to do is book with someone who really knows all of the secrets, all of the ins and outs, all of the things that make a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation as much fun as it can possibly be. That's where our friends, the Cruise and Vacation Authority, come to play on all that. So see their information on the screen, and you can check them out for more on that. All right, let's dive in here and get a uh, couple of stories here. First of all, you saw this maybe over the weekend, or maybe you didn't. Jalen Kimber, former Georgia defensive back, who had put his name in the transfer portal, has now announced his intention to transfer to Florida. Let me just say this here. Um, I don't have a bad word to say about Kimber. Um, I think that had Kimber had stuck it out at Georgia, I think he could have found himself a chance to, to earn some playing time and overcome some injuries. And I think he could have had a happy ending in a place like Georgia. But if he didn't want to do that, I don't have a bad word to say about it. Kimber can do whatever he wants. But you know good and well that Florida tried to time the announcement of the Kimber transfer as a way of earning some, I don't know, some clout for themselves and maybe – taking Georgia down a peg when it comes to Georgia celebrating its national championship. But here's the thing that if you don't know this, you should be very well aware of this. That Florida's little plan on this, and I'm assuming it was kind of a pre-planned thing, Florida's little plan just didn't work at all. And I actually sort of feel sorry for them on this. Like I said before, I don't have any beef with Kimber. Uh, You know, Kimber seems like a pretty good dude. Wish him well. You know, we don't really, you know, trash players in that regard. But I have no problem pointing out to Florida who thought they were going to be so cute and like, oh, we're going to announce – We'll get Jalen to announce his uh, transfer deal on the same day that Georgia's doing its national championship thing, and we'll steal some of that spotlight. Ask yourself this. Did anybody even really notice this? Like, go to the 10 Georgia fans that you feel like, you know, know this program pretty well. and like, hey, did you hear about the transfer news from Saturday? I'm guessing there's a decent number of fairly plugged-in Georgia fans who may not have heard that, who may not have, oh, yeah, Kemper went to Florida. Oh, wow, how about that? Because, let's face it, when you're celebrating a national championship, any other piece of news, gets completely dwarfed by that. So nice try by Florida, trying to make the Kimber thing into a thing on the day that Georgia's celebrating a championship. Eh, not quite so sure that worked. One of many L's that Billy Napier is about to take to the uh, to the Georgia Bulldogs. A lot of you had kind of gotten used to doing the Mullen thing where every time the previous coach, Dan Mullen, took a loss, you kind of add another L to his name and it became Mullen after a while. Some of y'all may be doing the same thing with Billy, putting the L's in the in, in the Billy name here moving forward. And I'd say that Billy probably took a little bit of an L on Saturday, at least from a public relations standpoint, and probably got a few more of those to come. By the way, we're not done with the Florida Gators here on today's show. We'll do more of that as we close things out a little bit later on. Justin Robinson, former Georgia receiver, also announced his new home on Saturday. He's heading to Mississippi State. And once again, I, I got no gripe with uh, Robinson here. In fact, what I'll say is, 
is this is one of the ways in which I think the transfer portal is supposed to work, that if you've been at a place for a couple of years and it just hasn't quite clicked for you yet, you probably should have the right to go try it somewhere else. And you probably should have the right to go be a good player somewhere else. And sometimes the player's not at fault. You know, you know, Justin has, had, hadn't really found a home yet at Georgia. Uh, I don't know that the player's at fault for that. I don't know that Georgia's at fault for that because the fact is, the last couple of years, the Georgia offense has gotten better and better with each passing game and certainly with each successive season. So the Georgia offense is kind of finding a formula that works here. And I think that Robinson is no less a prospect because he wasn't quite finding that home at Georgia. This is one of those moments where I just don't think there's a villain. I don't think there's a bad guy in this story. Robinson wants to play more. Uh, He wants to stay in the SEC to do so. So he's going to go to Mississippi State to get that opportunity. Obviously, Mike Leach is the kind of coach that's used wide receivers very well. I hope that Justin Robinson has a good career there. I think this is going to be a little bit like the the D-Rob thing, Demetrius Robertson at Auburn, where you know you're going to be playing against him, but I didn't hear a Georgia fan say one bad thing about D-Rob going into the game against Auburn, nor do I think anybody's going to say anything bad about Justin Robinson. The fact is, he may go there and be pretty good, and I hope he does. I mean, I obviously don't hope he doesn't play well against Georgia necessarily, but but I hope he has a good season there. I hope he finds a home, and for as much as I'm a little bit of a traditionalist and kind of think that some of the way in which one-time transfer rule and transfer portal stuff are being used by players, I think it's cheapening certain aspects of the sport. In a case like Robinson, who's tried it for a couple of years, he wants to go try it somewhere else and, and just see if some change of scenery helps him out. I can't really be mad at him for wanting to do that, uh, and that's exactly what he's going to do. Another departure, and this is not unexpected, is Cortez Hankton. Hankton, who has been long rumored, and in fact, I think we told you you know, at least a week ago that we thought this probably was going to happen, uh, is now on his way to LSU. He said his goodbye to Georgia there. We'll show you that on the screen to you as well. That Hankton's moving on here. Some folks bring up the idea of, well, is it a lateral move? I don't know that going back home is ever a lateral move. Hankton being from the state of Louisiana gets a chance to go back to Louisiana here. I mean, if I was doing Tiger Nation Daily in Baton Rouge and I had a chance to come to Athens and do Dog Nation Daily, obviously, that wouldn't be a lateral move in my mind. I'm coming home. I'm doing the thing, you know, uh, in the state and for the program that, that maybe I grew up loving or whatever else. And maybe Hankton's case, there's a little bit more of a tie to that. Sometimes from a recruiting standpoint, you feel like you're just sort of better served recruiting in a state that maybe you know better. So he's going to move on here. I actually think that Cortez Hankton's job at Georgia has sometimes been a little bit underappreciated. I would invite you to go back and check out some of the stuff that Terrence Edwards uh, said about Hankton on last Thursday's edition of our program, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, that, uh, that that certainly Terrence seems to have an appreciation for what Hankton did for this program. If anything, the level of overall wide receiver recruiting, actually the level of that was raised while Hankton was on the job here. They signed four uh, top 10 rated receivers over the course of what a, uh, what a three-year, I should say, yeah, I, I, I guess a two-year period, right? 2019 class, 2020 class, a total of four top 10 receivers. So, so, you know, there was a period there where they were actually, you know, recruiting that position pretty well. Obviously, there's still plenty more work to be done at the wide receiver spot. And certainly it's probably one of those position groups where you want a little more on-field success. I don't deny any of that. But I think that that overall, the job that Hankton did may have been a little bit underappreciated. But nonetheless, that's now an open open position for somebody to come into. And there's going to be a lot of curiosity. Well, does a guy like Terrence Edwards get a look here? Obviously, we'd love for that to be the case. Or other name that gets mentioned is a guy like Heinz Ward. Ward years ago told me that he clearly wanted to be the wide receivers coach at Georgia. 
I think some people kind of scoffed at whether or not that would ever come to pass because, you know, rich former NFL players like that, how seriously would they take the task of, of becoming a coach? Well, I think we see Ward, like a lot of former players who've kind of gotten pretty serious about this, and he was on an NFL staff. He kind of bounced around a little bit. Now he's on a college staff, and he just interviewed for a head coaching job at the NFL level that all of a sudden, you know, Heinz Ward has taken the idea of becoming a coach actually pretty seriously. And so we'll see if that leads to more for him. But I, mean, I think a lot of Georgia fans probably look at a guy like, say, Dre Bly, former North Carolina great cornerback, who's now become defensive backs coach there and kind of leaned on his status as a former big NFL player and leaned on his status as a former Tar Heel to kind of help them win some recruiting battles. Uh, the connection that guy like Ed Reed's had at Miami may be an example of that. But they kind of want Heinz Ward to be Georgia's version of all of that. And I guess Heinz and you know, Kirby clearly have a little bit of a relationship with each other too. So maybe that becomes a thing. That's I would say that that the the right answer for Georgia is not only the list of former players who might be in line for the job. There's other names worth considering there too. But I hope these former players do get strong consideration for all of that. And then we'll uh, finish with this, which is the fact that uh, Tyke Smith, one piece of good news for Georgia, in a time in which a lot of folks are leaving the program, Tyke Smith has made his decision to come back to UG. Of course, you know, Tyke transferred in from West Virginia, came in with a lot of accolades, uh, quickly became hurt and really missed the entirety of this season. But obviously sticking around the program, trying to make a big name for himself next year in 2022. And it's kind of interesting. You've got Christopher Smith coming back, Tyke Smith coming back, and those two Smiths kind of serve as a precursor for, well, will Nolan Smith eventually do the same thing? And I know one of the popular indie rock bands of the past was the Smiths. Maybe uh, some Georgia fans may reconsider that group and those albums with the uh, this trio of Smiths all comes back there for a UGA, but obviously Tyke coming back is a pretty big deal and gives Georgia a little bit of a um, little bit of experience in that secondary there. And over the course of the next few days, we're going to be watching the, the folks who are leaving, the folks who are choosing to stay. And at some point in time, maybe a transfer coming into the program see kind of how all this shakes out. There is still a lot that must be done to determine who truly is going to be on this team next year. There's a chance that Hankton's not the only coach that still leaves from right now. We talked last week about the rumors about Todd Munkin. There are other rumors. At one point in time, there was a Jamal Dye rumor. Don't quite know if that's even still a thing anymore or not, but we'll just kind of follow all of this, and we'll just kind of see how it all goes here uh, because there is still a lot to be done with that. But for now, we'll make that. Cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, kind of a UGA news roundup type theme there on a lot of that there too. Also, I want to talk to you about my friends at Space Dogs here. You know, a lot of you know a lot more about the crypto world than I do, just to be frank. Some of you are heavily invested in that, and some of you think that's the uh, next big thing. Others of you are maybe a little bit more like me, whereas you hear a lot about it, but you're not quite so sure what the first step to getting involved might be. Well, I think one of the first steps to getting involved is actually just kind of acquainting yourself with more of exactly what it is. At its base essence, it's just a simpler, safe, secure way to make transactions online. That's kind of what the crypto world provides you. And I think if you're trying to step into that world for the first time, doing so on the heels of kind of a UGA-themed company, a company that's kind of got uh, ties to the Georgia program, obviously that's a, a great, I should, I should say ties to Dog Nation, you know, you know uh, Georgia fans who are, um, who are kind of running the place is kind of what I mean. When I say all that, that's what Space Dogs can provide you. They have uh, really three products I think you should be very well aware of. They have their own uh, dogs token. They have their uh, uh, dogs wall and their space card there as well, which are you know ways to kind of get involved in crypto and ways to just become more acquainted with it, take the mystery out of it, and 
it's always uh, nice to do business with folks who love UGA. And that's what the folks at Space Dogs kind of are. So you can check out the website dogs.io for more information on that. It's D-A-W-G-S, dogs.io. To find out about Space Dogs, take a tour around their website, see the dog's wallet, the, the dog's token, the space card, and, and just really acquaint yourself with how you can get involved in the crypto world and allow the uh, folks at Space Dogs to take the mystery out of all of that for you. Okay, so here's what we're going to do right now. We are going to roll through a bunch of golden shoes. Now, I'm going to have to take a second to pull all these up because I have a lot of these here today. So many of you were uh, really fun with all of that. So let's see if we can have some fun doing all of that here uh, right now. Just good stuff all the way around. Uh, let me begin with this one from our, uh, let me pull this one up for a second. Our buddy uh, Sugar Ray. So it's the 1980 tombstone with uh, Florida orange and blue uh, flowers around that, essentially saying that the 1980 jokes in the part of Florida fans, they are sort of dead forever. I think that's really fun for Sugar Ray. Very golden shoe worthy. I certainly appreciate that. Also, our buddy Travis, who's Travman24 on Twitter. I like this there as well. So you see the Florida Gator with the zipper mouth kind of closing him up and shutting him up forever. And I think there are a lot of Georgia fans who also feel that way about Florida fans right now that, hey, listen, uh, they can't say anything anymore. Georgia uh, is the national champions. Florida fans just sort of have to sit there and take that. That's good stuff from Trav Man there on that. Uh, also, kind of continuing the theme of mocking Florida for its own national championship drought now, you see a picture of uh, former President George W. Bush. No politics here, just simply a reminder that I guess the last time Florida would have won the national championship, uh, Bush 41 would have been the uh, president there. So, not 41, that's Bush 43, excuse me. Uh, Bush 43 would have been the president there. So, a little bit of a reminder. It's starting to feel like a long time since those Florida Gators have won a national championship. Good stuff by Adam there on that. Also, uh, several golden shoe submissions related to one of the things I mentioned on Twitter on uh, Sunday, which was that in addition to the stuff I love from Kirby Smart, another indelible image for me was the way in which N'Kobe Dean kind of hung around outside the stadium so long, well after the, most of his teammates had gone in to get warmed up and get ready for the ceremony. N'Kobe posed for more pictures, signed more autographs than I've probably ever seen any Georgia player do before. And a lot of you, and I didn't even get, get a chance to share all the ones that were shared with me, but Jason Miller uh, describes how cool it was to meet uh, N'Kobe Dean there. Uh, it says, humble and kind, a true DGD. It's also a great photo there as well. I'm glad Jason shared that. Also, uh, another similar photo from uh, Grib uh, Reichs there as well. Georgia fans hanging out and enjoying N'Kobe Dean. A lot of you were nice enough to share some of those with me, and I really loved that. Another golden shoe, I told you we had a lot today, comes from our buddy Byron Spence, who says, as the sun goes down, the temperature drops. This forecast is still a thing of beauty. You see the high in Georgia, 33, the low in Alabama, 18. Obviously, a reminder of that national championship score from on Monday night. Our buddy Dari Payro from RS Andrews also shared that same meme with me there as well. So I love seeing Georgia fans, including Byron here, having a good time with that. Uh, Keith Sherbert, and I think I mentioned this line a couple of times myself, but Keith gives you one of the uh, Leo DiCaprio uh, memes here and says, Georgia fans, you thought we were obnoxious before. Yeah, clearly Georgia fans are going to be uh, enjoying themselves for quite some time to come. That's very funny from Keith Schubert there. Uh, also, Austin Hurt gives you another one of those great N'Kobe Dean photos. We'll give Austin the golden shoe there too because uh, those photos of N'Kobe, who literally I probably soaked up more of this than anybody did on his way to being a top 10 NFL draft pick or whatever he's going to be, N'Kobe for one more day was clearly still loving college life, and that was great to see. Mike Q shared this with me, a uh, tweet from Clay Wells. 
He reminds the Florida fans since its last national title in 2008, they've had one top five finish, three losing seasons, zero SEC championships, five different head coaches, losing record versus Florida State, losing record versus Georgia, losing record versus LSU, winless against Alabama. They've had to watch all four of those programs win a national championship. He says they truly are a poverty program, which is very funny all the way around. So a lot of good golden shoes. I believe that's the last one. Yeah, that's the last one. So good collection of golden shoes for you there today. Then finally, as we get ready to say goodbye to you, we'll be back in our studio again tomorrow. But one more thing uh, before we get ready to go on that is our brand new (laughs) Gator Hater Updater, where we remind you just how long it's been since those lousy, stinking Gators have won a national championship. How about 4,757 days? 4,757 days. And our Gator Hater Countdown, Georgia going back to Jacksonville in October as the reigning national champion strutting in. Florida's going to be limping out. 285 days from now, it all goes down. Happy Monday to all of you. We certainly appreciate you being with us. And we'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella, window and door of Georgia. We will look forward to talking to you then. And on the podcast, let me just do a brief version of our podcast cool down to tell you a couple of things. First of all, in its normal format, full comments, everything else, we'll return to a regular podcast cool down again tomorrow. Obviously, we've had kind of a crazy time as of late just due to the travel schedule and being at home today because of, I guess, the threat of snow that never really came or whatever else. But tomorrow, back to normal. So looking forward to reading a lot more of your comments. So please share those with me on dognation.com and on Twitter at dognationdaily. And for those of you who listen to this portion of the program, I certainly appreciate that there as well. Also, one more thing I wanted to mention, I briefly mentioned this off the top of the show today, but for those of you who do listen at dognation.com, most people listen to the podcast a different way. But for those of you who do listen at dognation.com, when we post the show there, I know we've had some technical challenges there as of late, and the honest truth is I guess we're still trying to figure out exactly why we're having the playback issue there at dognation.com. So here's what I'm going to do as a workaround on that for right right now. I am going to also post the show from YouTube on the post when we put the SoundCloud spot up there as well. And so if the SoundCloud's being tricky, if it's not working for you, Maybe you can click into the YouTube, and you know, even if you don't watch the video, you can still treat that as a as a podcast type type thing. So, hopefully, that works out okay. Um, and obviously, your feedback is always important to me. If it is, or if it isn't working out quite the way you want it to, so that's the story for now. Thanks for being here for our podcast cool down. Big thanks to R.S. Andrews for making it all possible. Obviously, check him out online rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating plumbing and electric needs hope you all have a great day maybe a long weekend for some of you and look forward to seeing you back in studio for the normal show tomorrow dog nation daily presented by palo window and door of george i'm looking forward to seeing you then